Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on-topic, or on-premise, and on-location, or on-premises. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a security specialist here at Gestalt IT. And each episode, we bring you the perspectives and opinions of a group of luminaries in the IT space. This episode is brought to us by Fortinet, and I'd like to take a moment for our guests to introduce themselves before we jump into the premise of today's episode, starting with Melissa. Hi, everybody. So great to be here. My name is Melissa Palmer. I am an independent consultant after a solid decade in the vendor space, and I focus on infrastructure and security. Yeah, I am Chris Grundeman. Uh, I come from the customer side and I'm now an independent uh, contractor and analyst. And you can find me on Twitter at Chris Grundeman. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having us today. Karine Chopin, VP of Product and Solution. And I think in my very long career in cybersecurity, I was in both customers and now on the vendor side of the house. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Let's jump into the topic, the premise for today's episode. No doubt you've probably seen a lot of scary looking headlines out there about security issues. Maybe it's ransomware or it's some kind of vulnerability that allows people to access your data and steal it and do nefarious things with it. And it probably has you asking yourself some very important questions. Could this happen to us? How would I even find out? And if that's happened, you might have found yourself with a little bit of a skills gap and you're wondering exactly how you're going to bridge that gap. Well, we're going to discuss that today in the episode because the premise for today is that enterprises need security specialists to succeed. So I want to start off kind of with that idea of the skills gap. It's a term that we hear a lot in the industry when people are talking about what happens when the people who work in our enterprise IT departments, whether it's networking, storage, uh, cloud security, when they don't have the necessary knowledge or learning to address the issues that they're facing today. So I want to throw this out to our independent experts first, Melissa and Chris, you know, are you seeing skills gaps in the modern enterprise? Are, are companies seeing that their knowledge workers need to be better at what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely, Tom. And I think that there are some misnomers there that are worth dispelling because, you know, a lot of people hear this idea of skills gap. And then especially recently with, um, you know, spates of technology layoffs, people think, well, there's got to be tons of people out there that you can just hire and, and make this work, right? But I think there are, are a couple of nuances there. One is, you know, what is the focus of your organization and your business? Because in most cases, it's probably not focused on cybersecurity only. I mean, obviously, we all need to pay attention to cybersecurity and lots of other IT topics, but often that's not exactly what the business is built to do. And so, you know, whether there's budget available to hire experts in that area is a big question, right? Um, when your job is to do something else, you know, can you really afford to specialize into these all these different areas? Uh, especially with cybersecurity, where a full team isn't just, you know, one person who knows a lot. It's a number of different specialties. And, you know, I think that that really matters where, where you're going to spend your money. Is that on, you know, folks that are advancing your own business? Or is this something that you should maybe partner for and hire a company that has these experts because that's what they're focused on day in, day out? Yeah, that's a great point. And another big problem with this is kind of a lot of organizations, especially in the enterprise, are almost underwater when it comes to cybersecurity, right? We've had this kind of rise in ransomware. It's not if you get attacked, it's when. And it comes back to how many organizations would be ready to recover it if it happened right now. I think the vast majority of them would not be able to. 
And it's how do they get there, right? How do they get there fast? How do they reduce their risk? And sometimes just with everything else going on in an organization, it doesn't make sense to say, oh, we're just going to do this all ourselves, right? We're going to build our recovery plans. We're going to make sure everything's protected. We're going to um, train incident responders for when it happens, right? There's so much that goes into it. Um, a lot of times they just need to kind of get out from under that technical debt they've built out all these years, get a solution into place, get ready to recover. And in that kind of scenario, it makes a lot of sense to just bring in the experts, right? Bring in the people that do this day in and day out. So like what Chris said, you can get back to doing what your business does, right? If you make widgets, you want to make big, better, more amazing widgets, right? You don't want to have to worry about, oh, all these cybersecurity problems. That's when it really makes a lot of sense to partner. Now, uh, Corinne, Fortinet's business is solving these security challenges. So is this something that you see from your perspective when you're talking to potential customers out in the enterprise? Yeah, we see it in, in two different categories. One of them is skill shortage. And I, I would touch on what Chris was saying. Yeah, there are a lot of people. There are also people in cybersecurity. But as you get more specialized, Melissa was mentioning, you need to have specialized people for some of those tasks. This is where we see that there is shortage of people with that knowledge to begin with. And then there is skill gaps meaning the attack surface is advancing so fast, attack tactic are changing so fast. And because of the skill shortage, those teams are already pretty exhausted and it's hard for them to curve the time to keep pace with what is going on and taking care of the day-to-day -day of their business. And we hear both of those uh, concerns from our customers and we, we're working with them to try and balance that. Can you get more people into your environment and the people who are already in how can you curve more time for them to actually stay ahead of what's going on in this very dynamic lens, uh, threat landscape? So I want to pick up on something there. You mentioned that you know you are seeing these skills gaps, that there are these specialists that you really think need to be brought in. Is this a function of the way that security works, where things are changing so fast, it's almost impossible for enterprises to keep up? Is it something about the job of enterprise IT being more generalist around having to touch a lot of different things in the organization? Is there something else that's driving this widening um, you know, issue between the people who are supposed to be addressing what's going on and what's actually happening? I think so, Tom. I think that's a really good place to look at this because, you know, and going back to that idea of specialization, right? I think that um, if we look at, you know, take clues from evolutionary biology, we see that the way things evolve is by becoming more and more specialized, right? They find deeper and deeper niches and get more embedded in their kind of, you know, specialized environment by becoming specialists. And that's true of organizations, at least to some degree, where they focus in, as Melissa said, right? If you're a widget manufacturer, you're going to get deeper and deeper down that widget um, specialization. And as an organization, you probably don't want to be broadening out into understanding or being able to take care of all the IT needs that could possibly come up, including cybersecurity, right? And so because of that, the folks you are gonna have on staff are, as you said, Tom, inherently generalists who can handle the day-to-day -day operations of what's going on and keep the lights on. But things that are kind of one-off events, like a ransomware attack, or even a new deployment of, of you know a new office. I mean, there's lots of other things that happen that only happen every now and then that frankly, most enterprise IT shops are just not qualified to handle by design, right? Because you just can't have those specialists being paid full-time salaries all around the clock, you know, for years on end, waiting for something to happen. Uh, it's much better to be able to dip into another organization that maybe is specialized in that area and has actually dove deep into that cybersecurity niche. Yeah, that's a great point. And we've seen a lot out of various threat actor groups through various leaks and things over the last couple of years and how they operate. 
And the threat actors, they're operating as sophisticated businesses. And you better bet that they have the RDP specialist that's in there looking up all the exploits and figuring out how to get in. You better bet that they're studying how your two-factor works so they can break it, right? They have specialists designed to get in to break your stuff, right? You can't really compete like that as a generalist. You have to level the playing field, right? So you need to get your own specialists in. And again, for a widget company, that might not make sense. Now, maybe if you were actually a cybersecurity company, right, it might make sense to eat a little bit of your own dog food, right, and have all your specialists in-house so you can learn how to work with your customers better and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not, is that really where you should be spending your time and effort? I actually find it to be uh, funny that, that we talk about outsourcing attackers because they outsource too. So They do. Ransomware is a service. Come on. Yeah, exactly. So they outsource. They have in the dark market like a full eBay. They have, you know, ranking stars for it. So everyone do it to get to those, uh, you know, specialized tactic. Uh, but, but I want to add that you will see kind of a, a, a balance. Like Chris was mentioning, there is a lot of work that needs to be done on ongoing maintenance and advancing the product and moving them forward. But there is also teams now who are not specializing in individual product. They're actually specializing in flows. And this is where we feel the majority of the gap today. So team that sits in the SOC operation groups, this is actually the hardest, uh, I think, role today to hire for. They need to know a lot about, you know, small things and how they interact together to enable a good flow in a real time you know, manner between detection and respond to be able to disrupt an attack and, and stop it. And when we talk to customers, we do support them in the day-to-day -day task and the maintenance. It's really important to do that, but we see most of the need uh, for augmentation to sit within those security operation team and depend on the size of the customers, it will be a balance. Like Melissa mentioned, some of them will build their own team. They will do the maintenance and they will choose to offer parts of their uh, work out. And some of them will say flat out, I cannot manage this. Could you manage the whole thing for me? So we do see a balance between you know, the level of dependencies in external um, expert, depend on the size of the business. Yeah, and I think this may stretch the bounds of the idea of skills gap, but there's also potentially a, a data gap there as well, right? And so if you're a standard enterprise, you have no way of gathering as much information as a company that's seen across enterprises, across small businesses, across maybe government organizations. Um, so you know, I think antivirus is probably a pretty classic example of this where you know the best you know antivirus providers over time have been the ones who have the highest level of deployment because they see the most threats the most often and are able to react to that and have that information in house whereas even if you have the skills um, working at maybe a smaller company there's no way you'll have that visibility uh, and so there's there's this data gap along with the skills gap that I think play hand in hand so I want to ask a question kind of related to those items, and it, it involves the response of the companies, because one of the things that we've seen a lot when it comes to these gaps, whether they're skills or data, is how a company responds once they've realized that that occurs. Is this something that companies are kind of aware of and they're waiting for maybe, you know, an opportunity to address this, maybe uh, an increase in budget or something like that? Or is it one of those situations where their company name gets mentioned on the news because someone's trying to auction off their data and all of a sudden it's a, uh, you know, the this is fine GIF with the, the everything's on fire and everybody's running around like crazy. And it's like, we've got to fix this right now. You know, when do we typically see these issues being addressed? Is it more, is it a proactive situation for a business or is it more reactive? I wish it was more proactive. Uh, I've done a lot in the business continuity disaster recovery space, and the missing piece seems to be 
the cooperation with cybersecurity and incident response, right? There's this misnomer that, oh no, I've been ransomware. Let me start restoring all my machines. Well, that's not how it works, right? We need to have the incident response phase where either internal incident responders come in or we've hired out and have someone come in who does this every day and they're like, okay, we need to stop doing analysis. Can we see where they got in, how they got in, how long did it take? And then from there, make the right business decisions to begin the recovery process. And that's a fundamental mismatch. And a lot of organizations, unfortunately, don't understand that until it happens, until that ransomware attack happens. They go, oh no, what do we do now? Um, I've seen a lot of that, unfortunately. Yeah, another aspect is, I mean, even going further into the proactiveness of it is, you know, things like tabletop exercises, which, which again, is something that I think far too few organizations uh, partake in, but partly because, again, hearkening back to that idea of this skills gap, right, that, you know, the ability to facilitate a good tabletop exercise and think outside the box and understand threat vectors and threat attacks and, and attack surface, again, isn't something that is, you know, a general piece of knowledge. It's something you have to kind of hard win through lots of experience, probably some some attacks and, and, and going through the motions in, in, in the real world, then you can come back and run a tabletop exercise to kind of understand what are our possible scenarios of, of failure or attack or where's our risk here and start to deal with that. Um, corresponding with that, another big piece is, is actually testing that, right? So like penetration testing services is something that's classically been outsourced because again, even if you do have uh, somebody on staff who is specialized in doing social engineering or, um, you know, a, whatever kind of penetration testing you want to be doing, uh, if you have that same person just doing the pen testing, the red teaming over and over again, your organization will become strong against that person's attacks and not against generalized attacks. And so this is an area where those kind of services are almost always needed from outside so you can rotate through and have different folks doing that pen testing. And same thing with the tabletop exercises. So a lot of this proactive stuff almost has to come from outside the organization, um, even with a full staffed uh, IT team. Yeah, we, we've seen it when we start running uh, our own incident respond. I, I agree with Matissa. We came in and organization treat us as if we should save the day at the moment that the attack happened. And you go in and they actually have all of the technology in place, which is very sad. It is in place. It's not well calibrated. It doesn't work together. The, the flow between team in the organization is not optimized. So it's not always the technology that is the challenge. And we change our entire model for incident response. And Chris, this is actually what we are offering now. Instead of coming, when you start engaging with us, instead of coming when you have an incident, we actually bundle in hours to sit down with you and create those flow, which are very different than testing a product. We're testing the full attack. And we're not only testing the technology, we're testing, we're testing your processes and your respond tools and respond capability to shorten the time. It's kind of like a game. Like you're, you're an actor, you, you play a sport, you look at the opponent and you learn their move, you learn their strong actors, and then you have to practice it to, to get better. And we, you have to do it in a continuous way because the other group gets better with time too. And you need to know if they acquire a new player or if they have a new technique. So we follow that methodology to say, hey, let us help you see how you stack against it. And Pen testing is also evolved because attack techniques is evolved. So you have external attack surface management where we, you know, scan them for social and website. And now there are companies where their brand is being used in attack against other companies. Like you have to be aware of this as well. Are you being attacked or being used in an attack? So the, the scope of evaluation is larger as the attack surface expand uh, and more ways are utilized to enter your organization. But it is it is true, Chris. It's a full flow, so it's a very different way of looking at you know evaluating an organization. 
Yeah, I would agree that one of the things that is a huge challenge for most organizations is the fact that they don't know where the next attack is coming from. I mean, there is a famous quote, you know, the attack, the organization has to be lucky every day. The attackers only have to be lucky once. And so being able to see where those attacks are coming from, be able to respond to them, there's only so many things that you can do in order to adjust to that. Is there a way that a company can kind of adjust their thinking to do that? Do they need to deploy red teams? Do they need to have some kind of a, a system that uh, allows them or someone that they're working with to kind of uh, probe the network or their cloud offerings or things like that to try to find these situations before they become well news generating events. Yeah, I think it's important to do some upfront work, like a good solid penetration test on everything, right? To figure out where our weaknesses are. And from there, prioritize what are the things that we can fix the fastest and have the most impact with. But there's also this notion of assume breach going around too, where we're going to assume it's going to happen at some point. And I think everybody needs to assume it's going to happen at some point. Can we reduce the risk as much as possible? Yes, and we're gonna keep doing that. But at the end of the day, we absolutely cannot solve for every scenario out there. We cannot solve for the next zero day exploit that we just might happen to be victims of, right? So it's really important to reduce the risk where we can, but balance that with being ready to be attacked pretty much at any moment. Yeah, I, I think that the, the earlier you discover it, the more time and money you save. So we see more organizations looking for those early detection capabilities to be placed either through scanning of the organization or flat outpoint decoys everywhere uh, to see lateral movement, to identify it you know, when, when things happen. And we always say that, yes, you, you may be attacked and assume that are already inside, they will be noisy. Could you catch that noise? And Chris mentioned, you know, the data gap and the ability to correlate that information to respond fast enough. Those are all a part of what organizations need to take into consideration. But by far, the early prevention and early detection will save them the most amount of money and time. And then later on, the investment in coordination of data and tools and skill set, they can actually harvest this. And a lot of the time, those are threat hunters going back to even more specialized team with an organization that will sit down and look at everything that is going on with the desire not to get you the result after the attack is successful, which in many cases, this is what would happen. You strive with automation and knowledge to just front it because you have many options to stop it. So the, the beauty of attack being complex is that it's allowing us more and more opportunity to disrupt them if we know what to do and if we move fast enough. Yeah, I like that thought a lot, um, that that idea of, you know, complexity almost becoming its own enemy in some degrees. And, and I think at least, you know, listening to Melissa and, and Corinne both, I'm thinking also of, you know, the move towards more advanced tooling as well and more automation, because, you know, whatever, you know, expertise you do have in-house can be multiplied, right, with, with automation. Um, being a network engineer by trade, you know, the new stuff around NDR, network detection and response is really exciting to me, especially when it's tied into, you know, a, a, you know, a kind of a cloud offering where we've actually got really machine intelligence, artificial neural networks behind it that are understanding what's going on in real time. It's kind of a supercharged threat hunter. It's obviously not going to replace those people who are doing the threat hunting, but it can enhance any team with this additional information that's happening much faster than a human can process it and understanding anomalies in a way that, you know, humans can't understand on that scale and on that level. And so providing this kind of artificial intelligence type uh, automation is really, I think, a force multiplier for any team, um, ones with, you know, extra specialized knowledge or, or not. 
But Chris, I want to ask the question because this is something that we hear a lot on all facets of IT now. AI is going to save the day, but is it really? Like I, I know that from my perspective of, of the people that I talk to, it can be complicated to set up these situations like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll just train this model. It'll only take like, you know, 57 hours on this one particular uh, prompt and, and everything will be fine after that. And automation is going to take care of everything and it's going to replace all of the people that you don't have and, and make that skills gap go away. Is that reality? Is that something that we can just kind of rely on or does it take a little bit more work to make that happen? It's definitely not a magic wand. Uh, absolutely, Tom. So I, I don't think that you can just drop AI into any situation and, and have it work. And that's one of the reasons why I think this you know, need for specialization uh, that we're talking about is really important because organizations such as Fortinet, right, who are actually specialized in cybersecurity and are spending hours and hours and hours and months and months and maybe even years and years training these models and understanding how to apply the right algorithms in the right instances is super important because if you as an enterprise IT leader or executive were going to try to like build your own AI to solve your problems, um, that's a much tougher challenge. You're not going to have the data. You're not going to have the people. You're not going to have the understanding of the landscape in order to actually get to that point. And so I think you have to be very careful about um, yeah, trying to make AI a panacea. No, it's not. But I think properly applied, um, you know, all levels of automation all the way up to full on you know, neural networks can be very, very helpful. Yeah, we, we, we see it in product as well. So there is on the spot machine learning. And you're right. We have our own lab in-house. We have dedicated people that build those models. The data set is really important. Like how much do you see? Could you, what are you training them on? And also, can you reduce the false positive? Because at the end of the day, the resistance to automation being adopted is the fear of false positive. So it's our responsibility as vendors and as an industry to build models that are trusted. So people in, inside organization will use them. And by doing it, we're doing it in, in spot, like NDR earlier, the detection part, but we're also doing on the SOC and source side of the house where you sit on top of multiple data set. And we're all smart people here, but I don't think any of us can work at machine speed to harvest all of this data and discover nuances in it and tell you, hey, you know, this is not going to work, or this seems suspicious, or profile all of the user in an organization automatically versus the old way of doing it where we used to put them, you know, inside groups to simplify the process. So the machine learning has a lot of usage helping us make decisions faster, as well as, you know, harvest the large amount of data that attack generate today to find nuances. What we do see is the need to train people on those tools. So as we build them into our tool natively, we do see a lot of requests to help organization build playbooks to automate many tools and many vendors into one streamline. And a lot of the time this comes with the request for augmentation. So could you take some of the taxing tasks from us so we can be focused on how we are moving the company forward with the more advanced capabilities? And I think that this balance is really important. If we can all bring machine learning to offload the repeatable task, the less important task, then we free those teams to do what they're meant to do and human in general, which is move this universe forward. All right. So I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of a modern IT organization. Maybe you have some security challenges that you're already aware of. Maybe you are you have something nebulous out there that you're worried about. Maybe the other uh, members of the widget industry are getting attacked with ransomware. What is one proactive step that you as the enterprise IT organization leader 
can take to kind of narrow that gap, to make sure that your security posture, your risk assessments are not uh, completely out of whack and could potentially lead to disaster later. We've talked about several, I think, Tom. Um, so, you know, being proactive, right, and, and doing these either tabletop exercises or understanding, you know, what, what attacks may come and then uh, ensuring that you're not vulnerable through the penetration testing, as Melissa pointed out, I think is super, super important. Uh, also, as Corinne talked about, ensuring that your systems are actually working together. Um, you just don't have a bunch of point solutions that are, you know, off on their own and maybe not connected in, in a real way. Um, because that's where gaps can fall too, right? Things can fall between the cracks. If you've got, you know, maybe you've got five of the best possible security tools and four of the best analysts, uh, if they're not actually talking to each other and not connected, um, you're going to miss stuff as well. So, so just some really basic kind of housekeeping and, and ensuring that you're aware of what the risks are and that the communication flows and the application flows are all tied together is going to be a huge, huge step forward. Um, just kind of collecting what we've already talked about so far on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I think for me, um, hands down, it would be having incident response on retainer for when something happens. But I really like something that Corinne pointed out is doing it in such a way that let's get them in here ahead of time and help us with some of these assessments, give them the lay of the land. Uh, they're the experts. They do this every day. So we are a little bit better prepared for when it does actually happen, right? Because it's not if, it's when. And, and I would like to both of you, so you get more than one, Tom. And thank you, Chris, for coming first with two because I couldn't narrow it down to one. But in general, after you do all of this, uh, map what is important for you and what you want to offload if your team do need more time to actually keep you ahead of those threats. Because it's not a one-time assessment. It's not a one-time event. We're seeing a lot of those tools to be continuous because everything moves so fast. Um, so. Make sure that you have expert to help you evaluate where you are is key. Understand what you're even trying to protect, like tie yourself to the business. What, what would an attacker will try to steal from you and where does it sit? So those basic questions and then see where you are, patch everything and make everything that you have work. Like before you even start investing in more tools and more technology, bring the people in, curve the time to make sure that what you have in place, like Chris and Melissa was saying, is actually working together and is calibrated to the higher performance that it can to protect you. And then start adding things based on gaps that you see and points that you need to close, both in technology and in people, uh, to help you augment it. And as I said, it's continuous, so constantly evaluate how you stand. The attacker are not waiting, they're not static. Uh, make sure that you constantly evaluate them and protect yourself as early as possible. Well, I think this has been a fascinating discussion, and it really kind of underlies the fact that security, as well as a lot of other IT disciplines, are very fast moving. And sometimes it can feel like you're getting overwhelmed with the amount of knowledge that you have to understand on top of everything else that you do. But just like any other discipline, whether it could be the medical field or construction or anything, there's always going to be an expert who's more specialized in the area that you can call on to do that. Maybe they understand the new technologies or the new threats a little bit better than you. You shouldn't be afraid to ask those questions. And honestly, if you know that you are facing a gap that could potentially expose you to bigger problems, you shouldn't be afraid to reach out for help. There are a lot of ways that you can close that gap to rely on experts that are understanding of the technologies to help you be better at what you do. And that will hopefully narrow the gap, reduce your risk posture and your threat surface, and maybe keep you out of the news. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. I'd like to let our guests give us a little bit of information about where we can find them if we want to follow what they're doing. Melissa? 
Absolutely, Tom. You can find me on Twitter at vmis33 or on my website at vmis.net. Yeah, likewise, uh, I am on Twitter at Chris Grundeman or online, chrisgrundeman.com. All right. And because Fortinet brought us this podcast, um, Corinne, if there's a place that people wanted to go to learn a little bit more about some of the specialized solutions that Fortinet offers for areas like this, where can they go to learn more? Uh, on our website, fortinet.com, there is two categories. One of them is cybersecurity services that include technologies and people. And then we have security operation centers when you can see all of the assessment and augmentation services. And if it's possible to just add one more call to action from my heart personally, uh, please join us also in inviting young people into that field of cybersecurity. Uh, the skill gap and skill shortage is real. We're all not sleeping. There's no weekends. Uh, we need you to join. So wherever you can, please do reach out to us. We have a lot of activities to help and support bringing more people uh, to that field. I absolutely agree with you 100%. Thank you very much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this discussion, please remember to subscribe to the On-Premise IT Podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can also leave us a rating and a review in whatever podcast platform that you use, because that allows you to um, leave your feedback for people who might be curious about what we talk about here. Also, if you want to share this with a few friends who might benefit from this conversation, that helps grow our listener base and make it a little bit more um, fun for everybody out there in the industry. Um, this podcast, like I said, was brought to you by Fortinet and also by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage across the enterprise. If you want to learn more about some of the topics that we discussed here, as well as find some of our show notes, you can always head over to GestaltIT.com slash podcast. To learn more about how Fortinet and their team of experts can help you enhance, automate, and augment security functions to keep your organization secure, please visit the links in the show notes to learn more. We'll be back with another episode in just a couple of weeks. Until then, thank you very much for tuning in. And we look forward to being able to discuss another premise with you very soon.